Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to the Next Move podcast. This is a podcast where we're essentially going to interview people who are making a change in India, whether it be through starting businesses or whether it be through creating organizations that work toward a more equitable society in India. We are getting into the minds of them in this podcast. So if you're looking for a podcast that takes you into the minds of some of the movers and shakers in India, then look no further because this podcast will definitely do that. For this episode, we talked to Avi Sheikh Agarwal, who is the co-founder of Popco Greenware. And uh, Popco Greenware is a sustainable food packaging provider. So what that means is they provide your takeaway boxes, your bowls, your plates, your straws, and all of that kind of stuff made from sustainable materials. And Abhishek started this company alongside his father and brother, and they bootstrapped this company. And they're growing very fast, and they're even growing internationally. And they're serving some of the largest hotel chains in India. Now, we all know that single-use plastic is one of the biggest challenges in India and abroad. And Popco's mission is to help solve that using sustainable materials. And some of the, you know, some of the key takeaways that I took from this podcast were: you have to just get started. You have to just do it. If you have an idea, you should get moving on it. And you can learn along the way. You shouldn't plan and analyze so much that you never actually get started. That's a big thing I learned from Abhishek. And the second thing was you have to go in and get your hands dirty when you're starting something. And what I mean by that is that you have to work on every aspect of your supply chain, on every aspect of your business to thoroughly understand the challenges that you will face as you scale. And Abhishek really goes into this, how he was a sales guy, he was someone who was packaging his products, he was delivering them to the post office. So he understands every aspect of the business and as they're scaling, when problems come up, he's much more able and much more properly set to solve these challenges. So that was a big takeaway. And one of the final key takeaways that I took were that as a leader, you should not ask your team to do anything that you wouldn't or haven't done yourself. And this is a great way both to connect with your teams, as well as show them that, look, if they're not performing, that the co-founder and the founders are more than willing and happy to do that job. And it, it's, a, it's a very, very cool point, and he, he really goes into it well, so I'll leave it to him to expand there. So if you want to learn how to make an impact and build a project from scratch, this podcast is definitely for you. Hey everybody, welcome back to another podcast. Uh, today I have Abhishek Agarwal with me, who is the co-founder of Popco Greenware. They're a sustainable food packaging provider. Hey Abhishek, how are you doing? Hi Arman, I'm good. Nice to be connected on your podcast. Definitely, it's great to have you. And uh, just for the listeners, I've done an introduction before this, but uh, could you go a little bit into who you are, what's your background, what did you study? 
Yeah, so I run a company called Papco Greenware. We are a sustainable food packaging provider. Um, what we do is we make food packaging from natural materials like sugarcane, bamboo, and wheat straw as a replacement mm-hmm. to single-use plastics. And uh, we've been doing this for the last six years now uh, as one of the first companies that set up in India. Uh, before that, I was studying. I have done my uh, bachelor's in business administration, finance, and marketing. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I have. Uh, before that, was just the regular schooling, and I think I did a small uh, job stint right after I got done with my graduation before setting this up. So that's okay. been the journey so far. Yeah. So, like, an interesting thing is because you know material stuff. Some people tend to have a science background. How did you get into the business of, you know, sustainable materials? So, see, very frankly, the innovation already existed in the world. Uh, we just leveraged the existing technology and brought the concept in India. Mm. So, the innovation of using of natural fiber to create a disposable product has been around for the last twenty odd years, but okay. unfortunately, because it does sell a little higher than a plastic product it just never mm-hmm. found its way into the market mm. so we just sort of pioneered that effort and you know started channeling those products in the indian market so i, I definitely want to get into um, you know the business competitiveness because i know the pricing is a little bit higher but the first thing i want yeah. to know is and i think the you know listeners would love to know is what led you to actually starting this business? Like, what idea was it? Was it something you saw in India that you said, look, we have to make a change? What, what was that spark? So I think the spark mainly came out of my dad and my brother because, you know, uh, I we run this as a family enterprise. Mm. So uh, we operate out of this place called Kalba Devi in Mumbai. And uh, okay. Kalba Devi is a big business hub, but it's also like, a very very densely populated area so on any given day if you just walk walk down the road you'll though one of the most consistent things you'll see is garbage everywhere correct and uh, it's like you know the number of people demand a number of street food stalls and vendors so there's a lot of plastic on a day-to-day basis used right on our street alone so i mean i think it became like an active part of our observation and uh, when we came across a solution that wasn't plastic, it actually just kind of even uh, caught our attention and very seriously because we were so aggressively uh, seeing the consumption of plastic right around our office area that we thought that definitely something should be done. And if a solution exists in the world, then it should be brought into India, you know, because we sh- we could start inculcating like new behaviors around it. Makes sense. And who are, you, who are you guys targeting? Is it, you know, the delivery companies? Is it hotels? You know, how do, who are you guys going after? So we we started off mainly as a consumer-oriented brand. Uh, we were mm-hmm. working with, uh, in the B2C segment, we were working for the direct home consumers, you know, people using disposable plates at home made from okay. plastics. We mm-hmm. asked them to upgrade to natural fiber materials so we started partnering with retail stores all over india to sell our mm-hmm. products mm-hmm. and we also started targeting these food stalls local uh, street vendors caterers you know whoever could afford it basically we tried to bring the product in now we work with a lot of food delivery companies as well uh, we are partnered with some of the biggest food delivery companies in india we run 
central contracts with all the major five star hotels in india uh, wow. with all top qsrs coffee chains so we are so we we've moved in gradually from the consumer segment to the more b2b uh, segment that's covering the hotels and the qsrs you know i think that's amazing because i really feel like in b2b you guys could have a huge impact because they're the ones you know really providing so much and create so much waste on a daily basis absolutely so i think that's good cool. i think that's amazing and um i i just wanted to know as well like what is the aim of the business you know do you guys want to stay in india i know you guys have also opened up offices in you know dubai and sri lanka so you're looking to go global as well yeah so the aim has been global for the last one and a half years we've been working quite uh uh aggressively in terms of establishing the brand at a global scale because we have done very innovative product designs mm. and uh, you know just using the existing technology our products solve for more challenges in food delivery than any competitor brands products in the market globally so mm. we are trying to take these designs and push them as much as possible as far wide as possible so that we can expand our brand in uh, we just started supplying to um to europe we've started supplying to uk to switzerland wow. we have uh, distributors in dubai in doha uh, we have uh, we have distribution partners even in uh, kenya so we we've, we've gradually been moving in to different markets and uh, i think it's all happened in the last one year that even the global demand is really unlocked for us so this year we see as the big year when we might established a brand in many more countries and cities worldwide okay and i think like these you know these food delivery companies are are they are they the main culprits of this single use plastic waste or who is it because i know when i order something from let's say you know a swiggy or a zomato the packaging from zomato and swiggy isn't in plastic but the restaurant still giving it to you in plastic and that single use must be you know it just goes into some sort of landfill or it's burned but who do you see as the biggest culprits of you know single use plastic waste right now see the biggest culprits definitely when you talk about the food delivery companies uh, they are building the demand for packaging you know mm-hmm. the culture around takeaway is growing and uh, unfortunately plastic is about 90% uh the choice of you know packaging it's even though there are sustainable materials apart from our company there are many other companies working plastic is still the dominant choice so definitely when you talk about the main culprits food delivery companies are responsible for building that ecosystem where we are using more packaging and when we use more packaging we end up using more plastic invariably because it is just so much more convenient to use mm-hmm. plastic so at a from an economic standpoint definitely it's these food delivery companies that are adding to the problem at a very very enormous and alarming growth rate and apart from that uh, the fundamental is the problem is an economic problem i think because plastic happens to be so cost effective and so cheap uh, unless and until we don't make it unfavorable economically it will be very difficult to get people to actually genuinely demand sustainable materials right but in india i feel you know there's been at least some sort of transition you don't see you know plastic bags anymore in major cities like bangalore 
So I feel at least there's some sort of movement, but there's still, I agree, there's still so much demand for plastic. So I want to know, like, when you go to a hotel or you go to a Swiggy or you go to anybody, you know, how do you, how do you convince them that say, look, you know, our products are better. How do you, you know, it may be a little bit more expensive, but it is worthwhile to go with us. You know, that sale must be a little bit difficult. How do you, how do you guys approach it? So, see, there are three parts to the product. When you talk about packaging, there is utility, there is design, and there is cost. Um, when it comes to utility, definitely uh, Bagas products are amazing. Uh, they offer great functionality. You can microwave in them. You can refrigerate in them. So they have an they have a certain advantage over at least the cheaper forms of plastic. When you talk mm-hmm. about designs, because it's a new industry, uh, we have. You know, in comparison to plastics, we have very few designs as of now active. You know, even if you bring the entire pool of all sustainable packaging suppliers, our existing available designs might not cover even 10% of the entire plastic portfolio. So there's a certain uh, there's a certain gap we need to still fill because people want certain shapes in packaging that we are not being able to provide just yet because it takes time Got to build that. And Got then it. the third factor is the cost factor. We are definitely a more premium form of packaging. So when you go to convince a restaurant or a food delivery partner, uh, they evaluate on all these three grounds. The the most important thing that works in our favor is today, even if somebody can't justify the unit cost of using sustainable packaging, they know deep down that they have to change. You know, there is enough, there is an enough uh, awareness now being spread against plastic. So even people who don't really care so much for the environment, you can say are aware that they are customers at least care for it so people are definitely interested they are definitely not uh, you know like without even listening to what those sustainable packaging companies have to offer they are not shooing them away they are everybody is giving enough time it is just that it's it's a gradual process i feel like once we become once we start getting our advantages in all these three factors we might be able to cover a bigger sort of uh, market in comparison to plastics, for sure. But I, I see that happening over the next three to four years. So right now, those are some of the challenges, you know, like it's not just about the price, but it's even from the design point of view, there are some gaps we need to fulfill. That makes sense. Uh, so basically scaling also your manufacturing capability, once it at a higher level, I'm assuming you'd be able to get the cost down as well, right? Once you continue to to scale and your unit economics gets better as a company and even as more and more competitors get in it's almost potentially better for your business i i want to see i want to ask if that's correct because more and more people will you know it'll be more distributed the knowledge will be out there more and again like you're saying the pressure to adopt these sustainable packaging is probably higher for these restaurants definitely so I think uh, competition is very healthy uh, in in a business like ours. It, because we are a cost-driven company, competition mm-hmm. also helps in terms of uh, taking the cost forward. So definitely there, competition becomes like a partner. And uh, in any business, I feel like competition helps build the market for sure. So if you are the better brand, then you'll always benefit from competition. If you are not the better brand, then competition will eat you up. But that that is not unique to our sort of uh, industry. So I think it's good right now, the fact that we have a lot of growing competition. In fact, I would say that the players in the market are growing like very, very fast, especially in mm-hmm. India. 
so it's it's really really we are creating a push demand the awareness is rising i remember about 6 years back when we used to sell this product people could not tell this is made from sugar cane you know the because it's a white color plate the direct assumption was this is some form of a thermocol plate just mm. like a different sort of texture and it it used to like there was so much energy spent just making people aware of the fact that no this isn't thermocol now we don't we don't have to do that you know people in the market buyers in the market are just aware they recognize that yeah there is this material as well so that is all thanks to the number of companies trying to promote these sort of products now okay wow and and that's a great point to lead on to the next area that i want to learn about is the material is it more is it durable enough like you were talking about the utility is it at a point right now where you know you're saying you can microwave it you can do this but is it functionally as good or better than plastic yet or do we still have a little bit to go see um it's it's the unfortunate truth i don't think we'll ever have a material functionally better than plastic for any application mm. Mm. that is one of the most beautiful raw materials we have ever created we have just misused it that's a different story but oh. uh, when you look at uh, bagas products uh, we we are uh, the product quality and the properties are superb in functionality it is not so easy to offer a 100% airtight container you know because we are not very rigid form products these are uh, at the end of it they are paper products so there is a certain amount of bending folding and you know give that the product will sure. have which a hard plastic will not have so when you want to create more airtight sort of designs in the kind of material we use the cost goes up by a factor of 2 almost because you're using more complicated manufacturing processes and you're also using more uh, you know you're using a heavier uh, weight product so uh, that that's again uh, sort of kills the market in at least a country like india where anyways the price gap is not sustainable for people and they're always mm-hmm. constantly looking for something cheaper so i think it it will take some time to solve for these things we will need some further innovation in the manufacturing processes bringing more economies of scale into the picture and definitely then the price can be driven down but right now plastic remains functionally the superior material it is just the sustainability aspect that plastic will never be able to cover given our current mm. supply chains but i i personally think that you know a sustainable packaging is a huge differentiator for any restaurant whenever i've gotten takeaway and i receive a sustainable and you you're saying bagasse right bagasse is anything made out of sugarcane is that correct that's or is right, it just a sustainable right. okay so anytime i receive something like that i you know it may not be as functional but i definitely feel like wow you know i'm happy that this restaurant is you know making an effort to get this done and i know that a lot of my friends you know feel the same way because you know as our generation grows up you know the millennials we're seeing that you know look we're we're at a point where we have to do something so we're all you know willing to you know pay a little bit more or have a little bit of give and take to you know make sure yeah. there's less waste true um but i i wanted to know uh, how did you guys you know source that particular material of sugarcane of wheat how did you guys say that this is what we need to use moving forward so see um sugarcane conversion for paper has been happening for more than i think 30 40 years uh, people don't okay. realize but the 
kind of tissue papers and other things we use are generally made from natural fiber raw material mm. um this sort of molding material technology is new so when that technology became available in the world uh, sugarcane and uh, bamboo became the natural choice of raw material because when we talk about bagas you're not using yeah. a virgin raw material per se you know it is after the sugarcane is cultivated that means you prepared your sugar your jaggery or your rum anything you know that you use the sugarcane for the leftover you know that entire uh, haystack sort of that is left over uh, mm-hmm. if you would have seen at a sugarcane vendor stall you know once he like pumps out the juice from the sugarcane there's that entire sort of uh, grass waste that is left Correct. in a bucket Correct. right so that is bagasse so that is essentially the byproduct of an existing manufacturing process that is reconverted into making a product so we are taking a waste as a raw material and we are adding value to it in other cases this waste could be used as a compost it could be it could be used as uh, cow fodder it could be used as uh, it could be burned to generate electricity or in most cases because it does not have a great intrinsic value it is just burnt in the open and that causes a lot of air pollution Mm. so we so that's why it's a more natural choice of raw material because it is an existing waste byproduct of a manufacturing and that's why we decided to go ahead and use this sort of a raw material for our products got it and and i read on uh, an article by your story that said you know anil um your co-founder uh, went yeah. around for 6 months trying to find the perfect manufacturer to develop this yeah. for you guys Can you talk Absolutely. about a little bit some of the challenges there in getting that done? So, see, so uh, he's my father, so he is a sourcing expert, I would say. And uh, we, there are, see, there are many factories in China that were operating, or in uh, Thailand that were operating, you know, in different parts of the world making such products. Mm-hmm. And we wanted to have a good partner manufacturer that understood the technology and could convert it into the design and the product we were looking for. So, the idea was to find a partner that sort of uh, like was honest to the raw material choice. You know, we didn't want a case where we are subscribing to a product that is supposed to be made from sugarcane waste. but to cut cost at the manufacturer and they are ending up using like tree pulp or some other form of raw material that we don't find okay for our application so that was right. a big uh, due diligence process that we had to follow we had to see that the quality of output the supplier was guaranteeing because it's a food application you know apart from the sustainability the hygiene is a very very important criteria you cannot compromise on that so we had to be sure that the factories we were working with were completely sanitized they had minimum contamination possibilities on the workspace uh, they had enough quality control and audit processes so that any output that was made for a day was checked sufficiently and for any sort of you know uh, issues in the pulp or issues in the performance in the oil proofing or in the water resistant these kind of things so there were very small small parameters that we sort of defined for ourselves and then based on that we sort of filtered the right supplier categories and obviously oh, like the underlying to all of that was the price factor as well because we were mm-hmm. we we are building a market a most aggressive market is india and india is a highly price sensitive market mm-hmm. so it's very important you know you no innovation has any value if it doesn't meet the market sort of price expectation so these were some of the factors that's why we took a long time to you know find the right supplier base 
Wow. And it sounds like actually there's quite a lot of barrier to entry to do this kind of thing. Because if you didn't have your father who was a sourcing expert, mm. you know, you potentially wouldn't have the knowledge to know, you know, the hygiene factor is extremely important. The price, yeah. how do you, you know, negotiate? How do you get the manufacturing, all of that kind of stuff done? Yeah. It, that's quite a big barrier to entry. No, absolutely. Um, so I think, so like I'm saying, right, um, I think in this sort of category, to be a great brand, there is a lot of barrier to entry. But to be a generic sort of brand, there is almost none. It's, but uh, then you you possibly wouldn't be making, you know, a great product like you're saying because you know the material may be used from you know different ways like you were saying earlier. Yeah, that absolutely. Doesn't make it sustainable. Absolutely. So we have currently also in the Indian market highly highly compromised uh, products. You know the raw material they are using, the quality of the pulp that's going in to make them is very cheap. They obviously sell cheaper, but they are not hygienic. You know and uh, um, they, it's just like it's unfortunate, but the price always dominates the supply chain. Really? Wow, that that's kind of sad to know that you know we're not they, they're selling these things as sustainable. And is there any sort of governing body that says, look, you have to meet these X Y Z standards to be called sustainable, or is it just like I can say whatever I want as a marketing um, tactic? No, there, there are norms. Uh, there are international certifications in place. So if you look at it as a global standard, there is a body uh, called the Biodegradable Products Institute, BPI. And okay. uh, they, are, they are probably the, you know, you can say they are the sort of the authority in defining what is compostable and what is not. So there are many factors, okay. you know, it's not only that the product has to degrade. But it's also about how much toxicity is the product leaching in the soil. It has to be non-toxic for the soil. Then only it qualifies as a compostable product. So there are these factors that they define. But that is okay. an international definition, right? When you move it to a country like India, in our frame of reference, um, we have a very clear-cut government policy that is against using plastics. But does not mean that brands have to reproduce a compostability certificate for the bagasse they are manufacturing. Mm. So, so there are there are there are definitely a lot of uh, checks and balances in place uh, in different countries or you know from international bodies that define what qualifies a product as usable or biodegradable or compostable. But I feel like globally these things don't move in sync. Like uh, each country also has its own demands, its own sort of. Uh, regulations or its own parameters so you could sell a product in most countries without ever getting it certified as compostable but yet claiming it so in countries like uh, germany in the us you would have those issues you know because at the end of the day who who really cares if you are selling a truly compostable product it's the guys who are composting it mm-hmm. so in mm-hmm. countries where you have infrastructure for composting the waste definitely there you will see that there is more emphasis given on using the right sort of raw materials and getting the right certifications if you want to sell something that's compostable. Got it. Got it. And I just want to transition from there. Um, You know, I read also that you guys bootstrapped this company. And I know a lot of people out there who are looking to start company or companies are also looking to bootstrap. 
Could you talk a little bit about, you know, your journey, bootstrapping it, some of the challenges you faced and then how you overcame those? Uh, see, bootstrapping is, it, it could be a comfortable and an uncomfortable process. Uh, it depends on how much funds you are willing to allocate of your own, right? So we didn't start off with heavy funds. I remember when we were working originally in our office, even though we had the funds to invest, we refrained because the market was so new. We weren't sure how the business would generate revenue. So we uh, we had like cases in office, you know, where I was uh, totally, we were containing our expenses to the level that even when we wanted to buy five cabinets or a new table to sit on, we thought it's just better to use old corrugated carton boxes and just make something out of, you know, as a makeshift sort of furniture uh, or a makeshift table and we use these makeshift things for almost six months to a year wow. because we we cut our expenses as much as possible when i had started working i mean you know it was about building the brand and you could never hire a sales guy to promote a product nobody understands so it was all about going on field you know we had to enter the smallest store show the product explain it to the owner that you know this is what we sell so we were our own sales guys and once you got the order we are packing it ourselves in the office and then I'm loading it in my car and I'm going and delivering wow. it as well. So I remember, you know, we did all these things, like whether it's parking, like, because we had staff, definitely, but we had, what, one or two guys in addition to, like, three of us working. And obviously, I won't expect my dad to do these things. So my brother and I, we used to take that sort of responsibility. We used to go out. And, you know, on some day when your staff is busy with something else, you have to go out, do the delivery also yourself. So it was funny, but I used to pose as a salesman of my company, you know, because I didn't want to come across as the owner who's not even having the right sort of staff to take this forward. So I used right. to, I had made visiting cards that showed my name as sales manager. And I, whenever <laughs> negotiating a deal, I used to say that, let me ask the boss and get back to you. So these are things you have to do sometimes, but that's because we yeah. were bootstrapped in a limited way. Our funds were very limited. There are some companies that bootstrap with like, you know, heavy investment as well. But uh, I think it was good because we learned things like, I, at least for me, it was important to learn those things as well. So that now that when we have a team, whenever they have an issue, whenever in their market, I feel like I know exactly what they're doing wrong. I feel like I know exactly what to tell them. Like, I because I can put myself in their shoes. In fact, I've been in their shoes for longer than they have. So, so all those things help. It, it definitely was a great learning experience also for us. So I think everyone who's looking to set up their businesses and are short of funds should be willing to do it in an uncomfortable way. You know, they shouldn't overthink whether how how their brand comes up across or how professional they come across. I think in the end, it just matters that you should just go out there and do it. And I think the market will respond if your product is good. Well, I think that's, you know, you really said two very clear and very cool learnings for people that one of the big advantages of bootstrapping and correct me if i'm taking these wrong but is mm -hmm. you get to learn the entire funnel the entire supply chain whether the sales or you know the material or everything you're not doing it fancy you know everything and where everything can go wrong so when Absolutely. you scale you can understand your team members issues saying look this is the challenge and you've been there so you know how to solve it absolutely even even when you look at it right like my packing staff in my factory um, on some days when we are overloaded and they are overworked, they don't feel like I'm pushing them aggressively because they know that if the work is exceeding what they can achieve, I'll be there packing the products with them. Even now, if yeah. it's required, I'll do that, you know, instead of 
adding to my expenses if i can remove 6 hours and go and help out as the one additional labor we do that because these are things necessary you know because you want to spend the money in the right places so we've had initially you know when we started getting our first few orders we realized we were understaffed to like sort of fulfill them so we used to stay in our warehouses till about 9 10 in the night packing and we used to have like speed competitions between our laborers and us you know <laughs> in terms of who can pack faster but we've done wow. these things and and it yeah. was fine you know like it doesn't mean that if you're the boss you can't do that work we've moved cartons around we've loaded them in trucks along with our staff so it was important i feel like my, our staff also like feels very connected to us because of that they never feel that sort of gap or that imposition when we have excess work because they've seen us do that sort of stuff with as much aggression as we expect from them so it helps okay. it helps definitely yeah is that one of your biggest uh, leadership tips saying you know get down and dirty and you know make a connection with your employees as well for sure for sure i mean we never did it from that mindset thinking that it would be a great way to sort of uh, role model but i think in hindsight i feel like that's really helped me get more comfortable when i uh, command things from my staff because they know that if they don't deliver we are more than capable of doing their job so yeah definitely i feel like it is it is very important that anybody who's tra- trying to take up a leadership position understands and executes every function that they plan to lead wow that that's an amazing learning and i think a lot of people would take a lot from that and uh, i you know i just want to be cognizant of your time and i kind of want to transition into you know the conclusion of this interview and i i want to learn um what is your ambition you know at the end of your career at the end of popco or and what what is the impact that you want to leave on the world see uh, the journey is very long i feel like if we can take the market you know uh, from sustainable packaging being a differentiating factor for brands like you mentioned my ideal goal is that it stops being that differentiating factor it becomes the norm like plastic becomes mm-hmm. a differentiating factor where brands are called out for using it so i feel like if we can drive the market from where we are today where you see a sustainable packaging and you're fascinated oh wow look they are not using plastic taking that from going to oh wow look they are using plastic that's so bad so that is the end goal i feel like that is where we want the household conversation to go we don't want our sales pitch to go as you sustainable packaging and make your brand stand out we wanted to go as don't use plastic because you will be called out so i feel like mm. that's the that's the journey we want to take for this business and this brand definitely got it and what what is the next few years look like for uh, popco and yourself you know are you going are you continuing to go international are you coming out with new products uh what's the next few few years so looking both. like both of those are exactly the focus we are doing uh, we are doing a lot of new product launches this year we set up our own in house product design team about 6 months back so earlier we used to outsource a lot of our designing now we have a team in house that's working and you know constantly ideating about the new sort of set of designs we can come out with and uh, this year we are going to do some really really ground breaking designs uh, for the market and we are going to expand it globally our entire vision is to be across india definitely in every city but also present in most countries globally but gradually because we'll have to even scale our supplies to match that demand okay okay and one of the last things that i want to ask is you know where the consumers um you know people listening to this are the consumers what mm-hmm. could you what do you want to ask of us you know when we're thinking about uh, our packaging 
choices and all this kind of stuff what what kind of impact can we help you know to make a difference in you know you know making india a more green place i think two things um number one is uh, a consumer definitely can impact the packaging choice of the brand he or she subscribes to i have seen the biggest brands the biggest ice cream chains change from using a plastic straw to going to a paper straw just because a couple of customers left a negative feedback against it in the stores so great brands take feedback very seriously so leave those feedbacks if you're not happy with the plastic packaging because the consumer in the end has more power than even the supplier who's trying to inculcate that change i think that's definitely one part the second part is um i think there are a lot of triggers and there is a lot of uh, sort of bait right now for us to consume more for us to especially conveniently consume more and all sort of convenient consumptions come with excess packaging so i think as consumers we need to start reducing our sort of uh, trend towards you know food deliveries or online ordering and kind of things and start taking a little more effort to sort of picking up things from the store or eating at the restaurant because that same product still comes to us with lesser packaging so i think at a personal level if we can do this it would also help uh, sort of stabilizing the demand for unsustainable packaging and then as a complement if you can demand brands to use sustainable packaging we might be able to like shift the curve and go downwards in our consumption of plastics awesome awesome uh abhishek i i want to thank you so much for taking the time uh to uh, be on this podcast i learned so much from it and i just want to say thank you so much no i'm really glad arman the way to the podcast great sounds good um thanks everybody for tuning in i'll see you guys in the next podcast